0: They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors.
1: Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Obaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And
2: I'm Brian Scott. And I'm Justin Bodine.
1: And we are a bunch of guys talking today about faith and life in uh, the church and in our lives. Uh, Joe and I serve in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and Justin serves in the Southeast Minnesota Synod, right? That is correct. Yeah, of the ELCA and Brian used to serve in a congregation in the ELCA and has smartened up. So, <laughs> welcome friends. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Hey, This is my uh, second
3: time on your show. Yeah, I was going to say, Brian is a
1: repeat offender, so he is here now for... Second time or third time?
3: Second time that I remember.
1: Yeah, and then I was on your show last year. We talked some Die Hard, which is the best Christmas movie ever. Right around
3: this time of year, too. I believe that's correct.
1: And uh, Justin, I haven't seen you in ages, so hi.
2: It has been a long time. It's good to be with you guys.
0: It's good to be with you, and... Uh, one of the things that we like to do on uh, this podcast is promote what, the good things that people are doing. And since we ran out of those people, We're, we decided to talk to you guys. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> so you guys have uh, have your own podcast. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit of uh, what it is and maybe the history of it, and we'll just kind of, um, well, we'll take it from there. Uh, sure.
3: Are we we do. Uh, it's called the Modcast and it would started the idea that the title was the masters of divinity podcast because we were two masters of divinity but then we kind of veered hard away from that was soon after we started it i think we just really did just our, the idea was we started just the two of us talking about theological things and then i think we bored each other yes and so we decided instead to start talking about spider-man and then from there we, we used things like spider-man and then we did 80s movies which we talked about die hard and then we did game of thrones for better or worse for a season and then tv shows and now we're going through romantic comedies so the last one we just recorded last thursday was 10 things i hate about you oh, and so classic. we usually have a guest not all the time yep. we have a guest a lot and we talk about the movie and then we try to make some kind of irresponsible leap to talk theology <laughs> a lot of times it goes well there's a lot of editing we talk for like an hour and a half, or there's like a 15-minute episode. Is kind yeah, of yeah. what uh,
2: <laughs> what comes out of that. By the nods of your heads, I can tell you understand exactly what we what we endure on a weekly basis.
0: Yes, the yeah. pain of editing. I, I I know that very well. Yeah, working with me, Joe knows it pretty well. <laughs> pretty
3: well. But yeah, so we've been doing it for about two years. This is our fifth season, fourth season.
2: Uh, fifth just we are recording our fifth season recording right our fifth season
3: and it's been going well we've had a really we have saturated the red wing podcasting market i think
2: yeah <laughs> we are easily one of the four or five most listened to uh podcasts recorded in red wing at the caribou coffee shop where we typically record absolutely oh, you do it at, the, at the coffee shop you record we,
3: we do. do there's a, a conference room in the okay. upstairs that you can reserve if you pay for for a gift card, it's a whole thing, but it works. It actually, works pretty well. It's the sound quality is pretty good. It's not too loud. Every now and then we have an emergency vehicle goes by, and that's annoying. But uh, yeah, besides that, it works out really well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so t- talk about the the process of your evolution for the podcast. You know, talking about the theological aspect, and then you know, yeah. moving to the pop culture stuff. Pop culture yep. stuff, and and uh, and then also, how how do you pick what you talk about, the movies, and, and how do you select all that?
2: Sure, I think probably the beginning is is important. When Brian suggested we do a podcast, I thought, well, this would be something that would be fun. And we originally, I think we actually recorded five or six episodes of what we were thought were kind of a, a basic introduction to the Christian faith, as if you know people would be lining up to hear that. The <laughs> problem is when we were recording it, and and certainly when we went back and listened to some of the episodes, It was pretty boring. Even even for us who are fans of us, we were bored. (laughs) Uh, And then we realized there's probably has to be something that would be a little bit more fun, a little bit more engaging. And frankly, uh, we want to have conversations in life with people who maybe aren't uh, in the church, but maybe on the edges of the church who are interested in topics of faith, but aren't going to listen to have no interest in listening to a 35 minute podcast on election theology for instance yeah well, we yeah. started seven deadly sins is what we began with oh that's right yeah, a few of those but
3: yeah it was uh, actually my first thought was let's just sit down and start talking and see what happens you were not a fan of that you didn't like no, you'd no. like having one more structure that was all right <laughs> and then yeah the, we, this really has worked well at least it entertains us i think that's that's the only thing we can go for but yeah so it it, it talks about something we can all have an entry point i think is the idea so you have the entry point of 10 things i hate about you which i don't know if everybody's seen but a lot of people have seen that movie we had our, a friend of ours from town tina tina goldman goldman come in and talk and uh with us since so that's good to have a guest who she's not she's not a pastor she's not a paid theologian um she does work at a church but so just at If you're not comfortable going deep into theology, well, at least you can start by talking about Heath Ledger and his uh, his singing ability, his charisma, his raw charisma. That guy.
2: We're going to go to a weird place if you just keep he he spent like 25 (laughs) minutes talking about Heath Ledger's charisma.
3: Rest in peace. That guy was amazing. All right.
2: (laughs) Best Joker. The, the The other funny thing that or the interesting thing for us was, at least for me, uh, and you guys know this, too, as being pastors, there's there's much of our jobs that are wonderful. There are blessings to do, uh, but they to have something that you just say, this is fun. This is this may not change the world. In fact, it is likely not going to change the world. But for about an hour or so a week, this is just going to be something that is fun. And if a few people get some entertainment out of it and have a have a conversation with someone else, it's worthwhile.
1: Brian disagrees.
2: No,
3: no, absolutely. That's, that's worthwhile. One hour. And it's good for me to actually talk to another human being every now and then. That's right. helpful. I spend a lot of time sitting by myself, staring at the street. Good. It's good to have some social interaction for me.
0: When you think about uh, the content and, uh, you know, the movies that you're going to do or TV shows, what is the process? Do you kind of just talk, talk about it on the fly or say, do you have like a plan or a
2: Joe, I think you when you say process, I think you're maybe giving us a tad too much (laughs) credit. Uh, For instance, this last this this uh, season that we are recording now, uh, initially it was going to be movies that our wives made us watch. That was going to be the reference to the romantic comedies. But in but in actuality, because we are anything, we are nothing if we are not honest. Uh, the truth is, we we watch romantic comedies probably more than our wives. Yeah, <laughs> together we,
3: usually. Well, not, the no, us. not together, but
2: <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, so we just started making a list of movies that, at some point, we had some recollection of uh, that were moving for whatever reason. We try not to say we 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 have stayed away thus thus far away from anything anything that is uh, intentionally religious.
3: That's true. Yeah.
2: I'm, well, I mean, I'm, Game of Thrones is in certain ways. Yeah, but. that's a little different, yes. yeah. But, but then just to say, okay, let's watch this from a, a perspective of, of knowing that you're going to talk theology, uh, re-watch the movie, and, and see what themes, what themes emerge that maybe we did not see the first time around, whether that was two years ago or 20 years ago.
3: Well, I do remember the, the superhero series, our very first series, season, we were we were doing the Seven Deadly Sins. It wasn't quite gelling. It didn't seem that was interesting. And then we actually had a conversation just casually ranking our favorite Spider-Man movies. And you really had one of those aha moments that you actually see it on your face. Okay. We should do this on the podcast. And that's kind of where it all started. That's yeah. our origin story. That was it right there. That's awesome. And because I-, I think we both agreed the first Sam Raimi Super Spider-Man movie was the best, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, but that was before homecoming. I don't even remember that conversation, but I'm I'm sure we have. It was recorded. good. It was upstairs in Caribou. It was not in the conference room. It was out on those leather chairs. Make sure the leather chairs get inside the podcast. That's, <laughs> that's, a key,
1: that's a key note. So when you did the TV shows, I remember you would pick an episode.
3: Yeah, that didn't go as
1: well. It's a little harder, right? Because it's just a bigger it's a bigger bigger corpus to pull from than you know like. The whole series of Cheers, we're going to talk about a scene from or an episode from Cheers. Right.
2: I, th- I think one of the appeals of doing uh, those television shows is the idea. Uh, w- one of the things I'm aware of in, in society is we don't have a lot of meta narratives anymore. We don't right. have uh, such large stories that everyone can enter into. There is something about uh, because of how we view things now, those television shows from the 80s. Even people who did not like cheers, as you just named, most people have some sort of association if you're at least of of you know thirty years old or older, you have some sort of memory of norm so it was it was nice to kind of be able to visit those types of things and then of course having having different people have conversations with us over the course of of the next few weeks was, that's that's fun for me, yeah, that was fun,
3: yeah. <laughs> We had a couple snags because we, like the last episode, we did 90210, Beverly Hills 90210, which neither one of us have ever seen, and we thought it'd be fun if we watched the episode where uh, Jenny Garth's mom was addicted to cocaine, and we neither one of us liked the episode, and we said that in the podcast, and that was really the first. Negative critiques we got. People, there were people got heated about us not liking Beverly Hills 90210, including to a certain point, Tammy Cinebaldo. She wasn't super negative about it because it's Tammy, but she did. That's about as express, negative as she
1: goes. <laughs> yeah, she did
3: express some thought of, well, you know, maybe you need to give 90210
2: a little bit more uh, space. If you're going, uh, we it was suggested by one person, if we're going to talk about a TV show, we should not watch that one episode. We should. Invest our time and watch the entire series, or at least a season. Right? No, it, it was the entire series. That's what was suggested. That's you. just ridiculous. Like. Not when to, to talk to about that. nine or two and zero. I think is really what we like. Yeah, people have but, feelings, but but that's uh, I, it does touch on uh, again. That I don't want to make this sound more important than it is because we we fully understand what we are doing is not important in the life of the world. However, however, the fact that for for people, television shows and or movies, there can be some sort of association, some sort of love for that, that 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 piece of art had spoken to them in a powerful way. I, I do think that's an important thing that we have discovered, maybe that we have we yeah. weren't aware of before.
3: I think that's true. We had a friend who came on the show to talk about uh, Gilligan's Island, and she talks about how those people were her friends. Not her only friends. She had no, other friends, but no. she had these, this. She had a real relationship with Gilligan and the Skipper and Marianne and
2: and uh, the other three. Yeah. Every day, <laughs> yes, sir. that was yeah. It was it was part of when she talked about this television show that we were basically mocking. We realized that she had discovered some sense in it strange sort of way of community in that television show, which then invites the question of, so what is what is community anyway? I mean, those are the type of questions that are fun to explore. Television
0: show that I know I am deeply invested in right now and I don't know if you guys have plans on including it in your uh, repertoire on your podcast um, is The Mandalorian.
1: Ooh. We
0: love The Mandalorian.
3: Yeah, I, I got uh, Disney Plus for a week. And I watched as much as I could, but at that point it was only the first two episodes, as far as I got. So let's, you know, careful spoilers as we talk
2: about it. Ah. At bro- some point I'll get it again, but it is it is four ninety nine a month. We can yeah, bro, sell a couple books, buy less, <laughs> uh, buy buy fewer drinks at Caribou, and, and we'll be good. I do need a, I do enjoy the game. The first couple episodes are amazing. I am watching The Mandalorian with my son right now. Nice. I've decided. Yeah. Uh, both of my kids, this is relative since Disney plus came out. Uh, that is, we watched the Mandalorian together, Eli and myself. And then I have a a seventh grade daughter and we are watching high school musical together.
0: Oh, there you go. There you
1: go. Yeah. I started watching Mandalorian by myself. Then our daughter Mia got into it. So then she and I watch it. She was actually mad that I watched Friday's episode without her and then watched it again with her. She wanted me to wait. Sure. And then our son, Joe, just started watching it like three days ago. So
2: we're, it, we're getting into it. It does speak to that, even as you describe your family, uh, the, how few of shows, even when there's a show that people like, as, as a family, it's difficult it's, right. say, to, to watch it together. It's, it's easier to just watch it and, 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 uh, at your own different time on your own different screen. So hopefully that's one of the things our podcast is doing—is bringing people together, right, Brian? Yeah, I, I think the whole family. Yeah, everybody sits around, down when that, that episode
3: sticker.
1: drops and does nothing but listen. Yes. We found the same thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. time and time again. Yeah. So in the two episodes that you've seen, Brian, um, is I'm going to turn the mic around on you. Is is there a scene that stands out that you you like, or that speaks to you?
3: The ones I remember from the second episode, I well, I, I know the obviously the one is when you first meet baby Yoda. And uh, then there's the shot, and you think that the Mandalorian killed baby Yoda, but in fact, he killed the other bounty hunter. And such a surprise, because you thought, at least I did, that that was gonna be like a team up that's gonna go forward, and the robot bounty hunter was this interesting full character, and he was kind of funny. And then for him to just get a, a laser blast in the head, that was shocking. And then baby Yoda's little finger sticking up, that was something. I was hooked. That is worth four ninety
2: nine a month. I okay. completely agree. That's, That's awesome. all we're saying. Yep. So now now let's let's prove that we actually have a process, that we know what we're doing. Brian, you you, you just named a scene. I usually have a, like a few seconds to think about it, but all right. Okay. Well, so this is our process because this
3: is what you do to me all the time. You'll tell a story and then you'll say, Brian, do you have any stories,
2: like deep personal stories from your childhood that you can just pull <laughs> out of nowhere and yeah. start talking about? I yeah. just share from, from the gut and preferably move people to tears. That's what we're looking for spontaneously. No pressure, though.
3: All right. I would say that we are, this would be my theological reflection. Uh, if, you know Genesis chapter 1, we are made in the image of God, that somehow we are imprinted with God's godness at the very beginning. And you do see that because we do have well, the Mandalorian, who's not human. Well, I guess, I don't know, are aliens imprinted in the image of
2: God? Can you even say that? Well, God is creator of the heavens and the earth. I think God's creator of all.
3: All right. Okay. So God exists in the Mandalorian universe and created the mandalorian exists in god's universe right? <laughs> All right. anyway but I, well i got too far too into the weeds there uh, what i'm saying is that we have that imp- that imprint from god that we are created and we there's that that part of us that instantly cares for things i think and that comes from our creator that need to, to you see something small and harmless i mean baby yoda at least in the second episode clearly had some powers but i'm sure he has more as you go but he looks certainly small and powerless and there is this this human instinct that i think comes from our god instinct to to care for that to somehow be a protector to be a protector because that's what that's how we're made that makes sense yeah with all right sure out of nowhere i think that's all right so so brian has there
0: been a time in your life when you have felt small and powerless but you are relying on the goodness and graciousness of god to help you get through it this, this moment now, I think, is what it is, yeah. Hey, you guys are the worst. This you. <laughs> I this,
2: you guys are my favorite podcast ever. I mean, I All right, so a time when I was small and powerless.
3: Well, actually, no, there are a lot of times. Um, the one time I've, I think I've probably talked about this because it's a safe example, but it is a true example, is when I, had, when I had babies. And, of course, I'm taking care of this small, powerless thing. But one of my, I have three children. None of them slept through the night the first year of their lives. And I remember this this moment where I mean this is you know it's a kind of a gray area moment too, because I was holding this baby who was screaming her head off at three o'clock in the morning, and I was just desperate for her to go to sleep, and I prayed this desperate prayer, "God, please make my child go to sleep and of course, the thing is she didn't she still kept crying so in in that way, that immediate desperate prayer was not answered, but still there was that moment of knowing that. I wasn't alone in this, that as I was going through this process, even though I was not getting that thing immediately that I needed, there was still, I had someone to cry out to. I had someone to complain to about this baby that just would not stop a little bit like my dog right now, which is really (laughs) annoying.
0: A time that I, I felt like that is, uh, and I don't remember how old I was, but the first time that I went to the ocean, uh, my family would go to Maine on vacation yearly, Wells, Wells Beach, Maine. And just standing there at the edge of the ocean, realizing how vast it was. Growing up in Vermont, I never saw or realized how big the world was in comparison. And then getting into the water and feeling the, the strength of the current pulling me in. And I, I don't necessarily... It is a God moment in the fact that just how big the creation was and, and, recognizing that and after the fact, but I mean, I didn't cry out to God. I didn't say, well, you know, God help me in this I just really enjoyed it. But I, I thinking back the, the first thought when I think about being the smallness of it is, is just being in that experience with, with creation and, and how big creation is.
1: Yeah, I guess uh for oh, for me uh, not uh, anything that made me feel small in a bad sense. But uh the first thing that came to mind was uh being in California and um seeing a sequoia tree. Mm. Because here's a 5000-year-old tree. So it's got not just all of that history, but it's it's got its own wisdom, I guess, in a sense, and just its its grandness. You feel like an ant standing next to it, uh, standing next to a regular sized tree, and just. um I was, well, was going when you were describing gonna, your scene, but, I thought
2: you were uh, going to go a different that direction. That's the first thing that came to my mind. I thought in that in that moment, because the Mandalorian has the his goal, of course, is to return the bounty, receive his payment, get his armor, if you will. Whatever that I can't remember what that's called, but he's that—that's the goal of his life. And then when he has that opportunity, yeah. something changes. And how compassion or love uh, for another—sometimes that's the way. And when I when I think about my life, God has led me down different paths. When I've said, "Oh, this is a very clearly this is the direction I'm moving forward." Uh, something changes and it usually comes from a place of, of love and compassion that I feel like God is, has moved me. So that's good. That, yeah. yeah that's how so that's how you're seeing Yeah, that was a better yeah. answer. Oh, I, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> well done.
0: Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he Let's had a little see. more time to think about it. So. This is
1: how the sausage is made, folks. <laughs> uh, Joe, do you have a scene from The Mandalorian that uh, stands out to you so far? Brian, cover your ears if, if you haven't watched this episode yet.
0: I really like how they're connecting this part of the universe with the rest of the Star Wars universe and, and some of the places that they are visiting um, and going back to, to familiar areas. I'm, I'm hoping that we're gonna get, be getting more answers than we're getting right now like who Yoda is 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 this baby Yoda just another you know I think it's another species but is it a clone of Yoda I mean there's there, in conversations that I've had with people it's just and that's whats draw me back is that is all these questions and and u- utilizing your um, imagination in, in comparison to the last movie I don't know if there's gonna be tie-in from the from what they're doing it in the Mandalorian to to the next movie.
2: Yeah, I, well, Joe. One of the things you that you said that struck me was one of the beautiful things about the Mandalorian, and I think this is one of the things that George Lucas was able to do like from the very beginning, is when you watch it, you do feel like you're watching a, well, I, sorry for the pun, an episode of a of a grander story. Yeah. That and it's which is in in some respects that's that's. The Bible too. I, I don't mean to call. It, that's a false equivalency. That they're not one and the same. You're over here shaking your head. You're, you're not, nervous about where we're going. But the idea of when you on me, when, that's, when, this is good when you when you read a story about Jesus healing a blind man, it is a beautiful episode. It goes, but you also know it's part of a larger narrative of of Scripture. That it all it all works together in various ways. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well done. The scene that stands out the most to me is is the one Brian named where where there's you, you just you see something new in the character that you had not expected that sense of compassion. Yep. Yep. Um mine I would say is the
1: opening sequence of the first show. So that won't spoil anything for you Brian. When he goes to the bar on the ice planet.
3: Right, there's the blue guy. Uh, yeah. And it has sort of a little vibe of Tatooine, of Mos Eisley, Yeah Izzly so there's yeah.
1: Uh, Right, so I guess uh, where I'll start is, uh, like most uh, boys of our age, Boba Fett was the coolest thing in the world. Uh-huh. It was cool. And when you think of the actual screen time Boba, Hett, Boba Fett has in the original trilogy, it's less time than is that opening sequence, probably.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I haven't actually checked the time sure, on it, sure. but, but, you know, since he's the central character, he's got the most most time but you so you see that kind of familiar um silhouette of of the Mandalorian armor so you kind of you know it's not Boba Fett but you have that little bit of okay I know what this is and he walks into the bar that feels like the cantina you know what this is and then you just see I mean the last time we saw Boba Fett he was so inept and in actually stopping Han Solo or Luke Skywalker that it was so disappointing.
3: jetpack went off. The jetpack went off. off.
1: Right. He's supposed to be this like invincible bounty hunter and he's just taken out in a weak kind of clumsy way. And then you see this Mandalorian just destroy everybody in a matter of seconds. And uh, it's like what you've been waiting for since you were eight years old. It was, it was to me, that kind of uh, delivery on it, which was great. So... Um, I don't know if I have to tie that into something to go with the theme. I guess um, the prologue to John's Gospel, whereas if you've paid attention to Matthew, Mark, or Luke, you get an introduction to see who Jesus is and uh, you know you see everything that uh, those storytellers want you to see, but John starts with this bigger cosmic worldview of what's going on with Jesus entering the scene. You've got the, the light and the darkness and the word becoming flesh, and it's 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 bigger, it's grander, it's familiar but it it comes in a much deeper way so i so i'll, I'll go there with it sure sure yeah, that's good
3: actually when it first started, i didn't i didn't know anything about the mandalorian so when i first saw boba fett well, the mandalorian in the armor I, I i did think it was boba fett i had no idea when it was set i thought maybe it was set before empire strikes back in that world i came in completely ignorant which is fun it's kind uh-huh. of fun then to realize oh this can't be boba fett that doesn't make any sense i had a uh boba fett action figure and if that was in the box still somewhere i think it's in my brother's house it are probably be worth a lot of money
2: mm-hmm.
3: although the dog chewed up its foot probably not as much yeah. at this point no but we still do have it as a family we own this thing that i'm sure is worth a few cents
2: I like the fact that you think you collectively own it even though it stays at your brother's house.
3: Well, it is the kind of thing where it is my toy and my brother now I mean I I feel like
2: since I had it to begin with, I own it. The number of issues we work out well, with microphones in our mouth in our <laughs> hand is it amazing. Yeah.
1: So this kind of conversation we have is what you do on your show. It's it's the uh talking about a scene from something and then connecting the dots to some theological reflection, which I think is a, a great uh, metaphor or process or, or whatever you want to talk about for, for preaching, is, is you're trying to take something that, for a lot of people, feels foreign or they don't have the language for it or they're, they're not sure about it or it seems locked in the past and you're bringing it to life in a, in a contemporary way. Well, maybe you're not doing it, but you're trying to open it up so that it can speak in a fresh way
2: you uh I, I know something in the observations you made about the experiences you had of, of feeling small everyone named really a deeply religious moment right but none of those were innately on the surface spiritual at all i mean being outside being uh right. being in the ocean being around a tree being uh with your with your daughter those You know at first glance for some people they would say oh that why in the world would you connect that the spirituality i think i think as as our faith has developed probably for all of us we've that disconnect between what is what is holy or what is what is sacred sacred and secular that that divide that we often uh build up that that's not as that's not nearly as real as we think it is that that god is capable of being present in all of those moments
1: yeah, so uh, I guess we have Joe and I have had a few conversations about this uh in the last few months cuz we our, our Bishop Jim Hazelwood wrote a book Everyday Spirituality about that and uh, you know we all know Emily Carson too who wrote her her book as well kind of doing the same types of things. Um why do we suck so much at this in the church? I mean, we should be really great at this. This should be like our thing, but we're it's we're really bad at it.
3: Yeah, well, we've um put got into a silo over the course of a couple thousand years, where you, where we start patterning the idea, we, we condition people to think that you're going to have a religious experience for a, about 60 minutes, and it, it better not be over 60 minutes, and this is, I'm not joking, as a parishioner, I get really bored about 65 minutes in, so you get it under 55, now we're talking, right?
1: <laughs> That's right.
3: Um, yeah. Anyway... I'm just saying that we condition people to experience God there, and that's the whole idea, or Wednesday night, whenever it is, or Bible study. And we've been doing that for generations, so it's hard to break out of those habits. To have instead this idea that God is everywhere, that God is uh, in the
2: movie theater when you're sitting down watching Star Wars. A self-critique of the church is to say it's beneficial for us to somehow claim or to support the idea that if you want to have access to God, you need to be a part of what we do on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever it is that we have worship. So God is kind of a commodity at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what... Unfortunately, that is the path that we have gone down, intentionally or not. Yeah, or it's
1: it's about the show
2: of it, the pageantry of it.
1: I mean, I think, I don't know, in other generations, maybe people would have said going to the cathedral was that experience. And right. just standing there, you know, standing in that space was somehow transformative or it, it took them to a different place. But we don't really yeah. talk that way or well, use our buildings temple, that way. I mean, they're very functional.
3: The temple curtain torn in two, so you don't have the... Uh, I mean, the biblical idea was God was in the Holy of Holies. That's the That was the presence of God. But then on Good Friday, that was torn in two. So there's right. no longer that sense of the temple... And that's where God is. We don't have that, that Holy of Holies anymore. Everybody's
1: Holy Holies is in your heart, Justin. Yeah. The, the Spirit has come to dwell with us. That's yeah. right. We are, the living, we are the living stones.
0: We see a longing for people to want to be in that space where they are in the presence of God, but not necessarily in church when we hear people say they're spiritual, but not religious. And that's just, I think, a way of them saying, I am connected with God, but I am not necessarily connected to the church as an institution. Um, But unfortunately, I think those folks who say I'm spiritual, but not religious, don't necessarily have a a vocabulary to be able to express themselves on how they see God or how they interact with God or really calling it God in their everyday life, just as people in the church don't necessarily have the vocabulary either because we don't practice it enough.
2: Right, sure. And I, I think we can go too far. Brian and I had this same conversation around the same theme about, well, if you start calling everything holy, then nothing is holy. And I, I would say one of, the, one of the strengths of what we do as Christians who gather in community for worship is, I think, in the midst of that, and we'd say, you know, the, with the sacraments and the word preached, I think that, at least for me, gives me the ability— uh, to look for God in other places in the world, to to trust that God is present always in those places, in those in those in the in the word preached, and in you know the waters of baptism, and in holy communion, and and in my neighbor, that when I go out in the world, I I find myself having more religious experiences uh, in my normal everyday life. Sure, I get that. Yeah, I get
1: that too. I think that's really important. I guess my question is, I don't, I don't know if we, as a whole, help people make that leap. Not to be self-critical of ourselves, but to be critical of the whole enterprise. I I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I think we make the the church service the goal rather than the entry point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Do you have any? Yeah, that that is. I think that is that is a great observation jeff i thanks put you on the spot here's what i do with brian so <laughs> so, so what's the is there something then you would do cl- uh in that sunday morning worship service that would be different that would help people go into the world uh with that expectation um i well that's a good question i i'm not sure
1: how much you can What you can do with the actual medium we have. I think there's something to feeling locked into what we have, either liturgically or traditionally or denominationally or generationally or whatever. I think there is something of that. I think you would almost have to create something new. But also, I would say, just to throw it back to you guys, I think this is what you're doing. In, in, a, in a way that is modeling it. I mean, it's, it's, I like it because I enjoy both of you, so I enjoy the banter. But um, for people that don't know the two of you and can listen in on the, the way you're doing this, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of... You're teaching how to make connections, whether that's your intention or not. And I, I, I don't think we do that very well. And I'm, I guess I'm just throwing you a bone and saying, I think it's great that, that, that you're doing that because I think that's one of the things we could do better. Um, I know Brian and I have a book we go back to all the time by uh, Henri Nouwen. That's all about you know God's relevant whether you think God's relevant or not, and you know God's word is relevant whether you think God's relevant or not. But um, how we utilize that tool and, and engage people—that is kind of on us. And um, I think helping people bridge those that that false narrative of division between sacred and secular. Um, it feels like a wall more than a gap, I think, for a lot of folks. And, and maybe they don't even think they belong on one side of it or the other. And um, I don't know. Bringing
2: those together is good. That's all I'm saying. I think so. Yeah. I, I was going to say thank you, Brian. I think that would be the appropriate response. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm affirming what he's saying. Man. Amen. 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 Well said. You're right. We are
1: doing this really well. <laughs> <laughs> that was the takeaway. Good, yeah, great, ah, great, great. That's what I—that's what I heard. Yeah, but I—I I guess to answer your question a little bit more focused now that I've been thinking about it while I've been talking and listening is, you know, maybe worship isn't the right venue, but maybe uh, a small group or a, a place where everybody's kind of sitting around as equals in the in the circle. Because I think one of the things, the problems I have with worship as it's been passed on to us is it's very one leader focused even if you change out who that one leader is yep. and um, you know and share that leadership. it still is one person up front talking and the other people responding or watching and uh, I think when you're in a group or even like you know in this format now all four of us are talking and listening and engaging if you give people space for those kinds of conversations, maybe you know with a little guidance of course um, you could maybe facilitate that but i don't know if worship is the right spot i i mean i maybe it is and maybe people are are better at that than me but i always feel like whenever i give people space to talk to each other there's a lot of pushback like this is the wrong space for this or just all i wanted to do was come to church today not have to write something down on a card or talk to the person next to me but
3: amen The last part
1: yeah i yeah
3: as I just again, I'm a prisoner now, I'm no longer a pastor, but if you as a pastor force your people to turn to the people next to them and say something to them in
2: worship, you're a monster. That's, there's no <laughs> other word for that. Uh, true, Jeff and Joe, this, this is true. Uh, so we have this, the congregation I serve where Brian is a member. Uh, we have three services on a Sunday morning. There has been at least one occasion where I looked out and I saw Brian sitting ever so contently with his family in worship. And I thought, you know what? That guy feels looks way too comfortable in the house of God. So while I did not do this at the 7.30 or 8.40 services, I did make the 10.45 congregation turn to their neighbor. Simply, simply so Brian <laughs> would have to speak to someone else on a Sunday morning. I could tell by the look from his eyes. He was like, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? <laughs> oh,
3: that's awful. It actually, at church, isn't as bad because usually I'm sitting with my family. And so we can just talk whatever we feel like. We ignore the pastor and talk about what we want to talk about. But every now and then you do it. And then there's some stranger there. Like, just happened uh, the other day. Tom Brown was sitting in front of us. I barely know Tom Brown. He was all by himself. So we just, it's that same thing as the Mandalorian. You felt bad for Tom, the orphan. Well, I don't think we'll ever hear this, I hope. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we turned and we invited him. Into, it was awful. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to
2: make connections in church. I just want to hear you preach the well, word. That's all I want. Inviting other people. Forget about into, community. Yeah, inviting other people into Christian community is something you don't want to do yep. in worship. I, just tell, tell us again why you're not a pastor anymore, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there might be some factors involved that are connected to this conversation. Yeah.
2: No, but I think I think really, I, Jeff. I think you are right. I would agree with you in this in this regard. I don't think worship is the place to do that thirty seconds or right. nine seconds to have that conversation. Where a where a small group uh, that that allows people to uh, have real dialogue, where you you know, in, in in thirty seconds, you each can say the highlight of your day and maybe your name, and that's about it. Whereas in a, in a, in a small group of people, you can have dialogue and learn from one another.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we need that. I mean, I I think there's a real human need for that. I don't think it's, I mean, it's a need I think we have in our time we live. I mean, I think people are more isolated than ever, but at the same time, I think that we just have a base human need for those kinds of experiences. And if we're not helping make those connections for folks. I wonder where they're having them. I mean, I certainly you can have them in other places too when people find that kind of community, but I think especially when we're, do, you know, quote, doing church, unquote, we should be thinking about that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So there you go, folks.
0: Well, thank you guys very much for coming on the podcast today. And um, do you have any final words you want to say or if you want uh, to let people know where they can find you and how to access your
3: podcast. Yeah. Unfortunately, our name is again, it, it's modcast and you got to put periods in it. So it's M dot O dot And then you can usually find it. If you just type in modcast, it's a little bit harder. Um, but yeah, it's out there. It's on all the different streaming platforms. And then you mentioned Emily Carson's book. It's called Holy Everything. I published that book. And so all of your listeners should immediately go and uh, buy it by I like six. Uh, Great stocking stuffers. Is that what you're saying? That's what
1: I'm saying. Yeah. It's time for Christmas. I mean, but we're recording. But her book was great. Yeah. Really liked it. And uh, what's, what's the new book that's, uh, that's out now? That man is dead by Dennis Otto.
3: And it's a good book too. It's a redemption story. It's a man who struggled with uh, meth. He was a meth dealer. He was also a local mayor of a small town as he was selling drugs. And then, you know, he is, he got arrested. He went to prison for a while, and then it's kind of his redemption. Actually, it's a lot more about his redemption story than it is about his drug story. It's about his life now, and and the work he's doing back in prisons. This time as a pastor, as a minister,
2: uh, to help people get out of addiction. It's a good story. He's a good guy. He's funny. Yeah, Dennis Dennis Thanks. has come and spoken to our church before, and he is uh, he is doing incre- really incredible work. Uh, there are we have a couple of different people from our church that would really point to the reason they're on the right track is God doing work uh, through Dennis. So very appreciative of, of his partnership. Great.
1: Uh, one last thing, anything uh, it's going to be 2020 by the time this comes out anything for the new year that you're looking forward to? Uh,
3: uh, spring. Good. Eventually will we come coming? Actually, I've already
2: on my plug, so I'm not sure. You know, uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is I, one of my goals for 2020, quite similar to 2019 is to write a book. Uh, I've I've been working on it for a while. If you know of a good publisher, I would I would love would love for those suggestions to be passed my way. Perfect. I know a couple. Maybe okay, Brian good. knows a couple of
1: people he can point you. Sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, we are the Two Bald Pastors. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Joe McGarry, Jeff Cinebaldo, Brian Scott, and Justin Boding all in the house electronically today. So thanks for being with us. Uh, you can check us out online or Facebook or wherever books are sold. You can find Brian's stuff. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be blessed and uh, be well. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having us.
0: They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith. Life.
2: two ball welcome to two ball Pastors a <laughs> this is part for the course Brian usually takes four times to open up our show yeah. joke is so obnoxious you're being so obnoxious
0: joke you just can you stop can you stop That's a big note.